I told y'all last week that this would be the last week in our study in Luke. Uh, I don't know if it is God or if it's me, uh, but one of us doesn't want this study to end, so there's actually going to be one more week. I wasn't able to bring it to a conclusion, and so we're actually going to have one more week. Now, let me tell you, that's going to be a great thing. That's going to be a good thing. I'm excited about our verses next week. Uh, our sermon next week is entitled, The Grand Not Finale. The Grand Not Finale. So be sure and be back next week as we wrap up our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you knew when you were speaking your last words, somehow you were able to know, and you had the opportunity to plan your last words, what would you say? Now think about that for just a second. If you, if you actually knew these were going to be your last words, you, you somehow had the opportunity to plan for that, what would you say, and, and to whom would you say those words to? Would you say goodbye would you say things that you had been needing to say, maybe things that you'd been holding back, something that you needed to clear the air? Is that what you would say? Would you pass on some important information, something that was going to be vital? If I can tell you one last thing, I would be sure and tell you this thing. Is that what you would do? You would pass on some important piece of information. If you knew you were speaking your last words, what would you say? Today, here at the end of Luke chapter 24, as we close out this chapter this week and next week, we have Luke's record of the last words of Jesus. Now, imagine all the things that Jesus taught all these years as we've traveled through the gospel of Luke, all the things that Jesus taught, all the things that Jesus said, the very words of Christ himself, and today we hear from his last words on earth before his ascension. Well, as you might expect, these are power-packed words. As you might expect, these are hugely important words. And we're going to see today some profound truths, some great truths in these last words of Jesus before his ascension. Now, I want to just tell you, I'm, I'm blown away by that. I'm excited by that. We have the actual last words of Jesus before his ascension, and we're going to see some great truths in those last words. Our message today is entitled, Huge Truths and Final Words. Huge Truths and Final Words. We're in Luke chapter 24, today verses 44 through 49. Luke chapter 24, today verses 44 through 49. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 24, beginning here in verse 44, the word of God says this. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. 
but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. And Lord, we are thankful for the truth of your word. We're, we're thankful for the truth of your gospel. We're thankful for the truth of the provision of your gospel, that one day there will be no more tears. There will be no more darkness, and we will stand. There won't even be a sun. We'll stand in the light of the risen Lamb. And Lord, we look forward to that day, that we will spend eternity with you in a place that you prepared in the cross of Calvary. Lord, I pray that our hearts would take hope in that. Lord, now I pray as we begin to study your word on this day, I pray that it would be nothing short of spectacular. I pray as we study your word that it would, it would, it would grip our hearts, and it would speak to us, it would lead us, it would convict us, it would change us. And Lord, I, I pray whatever we came in here with, whatever we brought in here, that we would leave different for having come in contact with the words of our God, our Savior. And so Lord, I pray that you speak. I pray again that you're glorified in the effort I pray that some here, maybe several here that do not know you today, might put their faith in the, in the hope of nations, Jesus Christ. Lord, we come and, and with all these things, we just tell you we love you. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To put us in context this morning, in our verses today, when we arrive at our verses today, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. In the most miraculous, in the most awesome demonstration of God's power, Jesus, three days earlier, who had been crucified, Jesus, three days earlier, who was placed dead in the grave, is actually physically alive. And that's the, the preceding verses that we have moved through. Now, he has made that very clear to us. The Bible says he appeared to his disciples he appeared to his followers. We studied where he, he met with the two guys, his two followers on the road to Emmaus. In 1 Corinthians, it says that he even appeared to more than 500 people at one time. The Bible tells us very clearly he has shown them his hands, the nail prints in his hands. He has shown them his side. He has even eaten with them, and he has told them to be sure and know that it was him. Now, he wants to be sure that they understand he is actually physically alive. And so we find Jesus in our verses today resurrected from the grave, alive, physically, actually alive. Now, as we move into our verses this morning, some 40 days have passed between his resurrection and this day. Now, that's recorded in the first chapter of the book of Acts, but some 40 days have passed between his resurrection and this day. And so this is the next happening, this is the next occurrence as recorded by Luke in his gospel. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning. Let's go to our verses beginning today in verse 44. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Here in verse 44, Jesus tells them, this is what I was telling you. This is what I told you about when I was with you 
before the crucifixion. Now, it's just a simple thing, but he's again confirming that he is who he is. When I was with you before, I'm again with you now. And this is what I was telling you. This is what I told you before the crucifixion. Here before Jesus ascends, before he leaves and goes to glory, to heaven, Jesus is going to explain to them exactly what had just happened. Now, that's a pretty interesting thing. He had appeared to them for over 40 days, uh, more than 500 at one time. But now, before he ascends to heaven, he is going to actually explain to them what had happened. He says that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, Psalms could also be the writings must be fulfilled. Jesus says all the things written about me in the the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, understand today, those are the three divisions the Jews had for the Old Testament. So when they refer to the Old Testament scriptures, those are the three divisions of the Old Testament scriptures. So Jesus is saying here, not only where all of the scriptures are speaking of him, in the same way, he's going to use all of those scriptures to show them how they were speaking of him. He's going to take those scriptures and show them exactly where they were speaking of him. And so he's going to use the Old Testament scriptures to tell them exactly what has happened. Then verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And I'm going to read the very first part of verse 46, and it says, And he said to them, Thus it is written. Very much like on the road to Emmaus, he opens their minds, this is what the verse says, to see what had happened. More than that, he uses the scriptures, he opens their minds to see why it had happened. And and really, he again is going to walk them through the scriptures, telling them exactly why what had happened had, had happened. The first great truth we see in the last words of Jesus, now listen, we're going to see four great truths. The first great truth that we see in the last words of Jesus is the priority of the word of God the priority of the word of God. Now, I want you to notice this. Jesus himself uses the written word of God to reveal himself. Folks, folks, that is a huge thing. Jesus himself uses the written word of God to reveal himself. Understand the high priority of the word of God. God chose to reveal himself through his word. Today we need to be sure, especially in 2019, when there is such a neglect of the word of God, when there is such a dismissal of the word of God, when there is such even an attack on the word of God. We need to be very sure today, listen, that the only way to know God is through his word. Do you understand that? The the nature of the world we live in points that there's a creator, but the only way to know God is through his word. 
Understand today, the only way to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is through his word. There's not some way to go outside and, and soak it up. There's not a lightning bolt that's gonna hit you. The only way to understand the gospel, the power of God unto salvation is through the word of God. Listen to me. The only way to know Jesus Christ, our hope, our savior is through the word of God. And Jesus in his last words shows the priority of the word of God. I can tell you, and you may have figured this out, but I can tell you, the problem in our homes today, and man, we talk about the problems we see and it's, it's, it's pretty terrible the problem in our lives today, all oh, the, the things we see in our lives, the problem in our nation today, do you see the mess our nation is in? The problem even in our churches today is we have failed to uphold the word of God. Oh, listen, that we will be people of the word of God, that we will be homes that operate according to the word of God, that we will be churches that stand for the doctrine of the word of God. The only way we know God is through his word. The only way we understand the great gospel of our salvation is in his word. The only hope we have of truly knowing Jesus is through the word of God. Now, let me show you one more thing here before we move on. Now, we've got another week, so we've got time for this. In verse 45, it says, he opened their mind. Now, I want to take a chance to talk about that. He opened their minds. That word for minds is the, the facility, the faculty that can reason. The faculty, the facility that you have that can understand logic. We need to be very sure today and listen very carefully. Our faith, the Christian faith, is not based on experiences. We live in an age where everybody wants to experience it. They want to say, well, we've had this great experience. How can you deny my experience? Our faith is not based on experiences. Listen, our faith is not built on feelings. Someday your feelings won't be that great. Your faith is not built on your feelings. Our faith is not built on our emotions. It's not based on our emotions. But I want you to hear me today. Our faith is based on the truth. And it is a truth that we can understand. It is a truth that we can invest. It is a truth that we can discern. It is a truth that we can process with our minds. Be very sure. A mindless faith is not a true faith. A mindless faith is not a true faith. Now somehow, I don't know how this has happened, but somehow we've understood, well, you know what, science, that's logical. This is ridiculous. Science, that makes a lot of sense. Academia, that's logical. This is ridiculous. And we put our minds into neutral when we come to the word of God. Listen, a mindless faith is not a true faith. I said this a couple weeks back. We're living in a mindless age. We are living in a mindless age. The world is luring us to put our minds into neutral we, we can't think. We, we sit around and stare at screens all day long. We live in a mindless age, and that mindlessness has crept into the church, very sadly. 
Listen, it's not our emotion that drives us. It's not our experiences that we base our faith upon. It is the truth of God, his word, that we base our faith on. And he opened their minds to see. Going on, verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. The next huge truth that we see in the last words of Christ, the last truth, the next truth that we see is the parameter of the gospel. We see the parameter of the gospel. Now see this, follow with me. It says, it is written. Now, that means the Old Testament foretold of the Christ. Now, the Christ is, is the office. It is the position. The Christ is the anointed of God, the, the, the Savior from God, the, the Messiah, the Christ, that he would suffer, meaning he would die, and that he would rise again and be resurrected on the third day. Well, Jesus says that is, that is the gospel of the Christ. That is the truth of the Christ, that the Christ would die, that he would be dead three days, and that he would live again. And he shows him here that has always been the hope, that has always been the promise. Be very sure today, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus wasn't a change of plans. The death, burial, and resurrection wasn't a response to what men had done. No, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was always the plan for the redemption of mankind. And so Jesus makes the parameters of the gospel very clear. The Christ, he had to die. He also had to live again. And if either of those pieces are missing it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how that applies today. And, and, and these things show up and they show up in waves and they show up in shades today. Listen to this. If the gospel that you're hearing, if the gospel that's being preached to you doesn't include the death of Jesus Christ for sin and the resurrection of Jesus Christ victorious from the grave, you better run, brother, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, it may have been a spiritual resurrection, not according to the Bible. Well, it may have been symbolic in nature. Maybe we're supposed to learn from it, not according to the word of God. It includes all the pieces, the death of the Savior for sin and his resurrection from the grave three days later. If the pieces aren't there, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the second truth we have, the parameters of the gospel. Verse 47 now. This is a great verse. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now follow with me in verse 47. Verse 47 is very deep. Using the Old Testament scriptures, Jesus told them what had happened and why it had to happen that way. He told of his death and his resurrection. He told why it happened and, and how it happened. 
Well, now using those same scriptures, he tells them what was going to happen next. In fact, what should be happening right now for us in the church age. And so he says the scriptures told us that this happened and why it happened. And he says now the scriptures tell us this has to happen next. And the next thing is the proclaiming of the forgiveness of sin by repentance in Jesus' name. The proclaiming of the forgiveness of sin by repentance in Jesus' name. Now, in the last words of Jesus, the next huge truth that we see is the priority of the gospel proclaimed. The priority of the gospel proclaimed. Look very closely as we move through this verse. It's a loaded verse. Repentance for the forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name. Let's look at it very carefully. First, let's take a look at the word or at the idea of the forgiveness of sins. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name. Be very sure the need of mankind is the forgiveness of sin. You see, the world is twisting that on us. with The, the, the pulpits today, some of them are preaching something different today. But the great need of mankind is the forgiveness of sin. We need to be very sure today our issue is sin. You sit here this morning and say, well, what is my issue? Listen, your issue is sin. My issue is sin. It's, it's not, the issue is not the environment that I grew up in. It's not the parents that raised me. My issue is not my self-esteem. My issue is not the mean people that are all around plugging me. No, the problem, my issue is sin. Your problem, your issue is sin. Nobody wants to say that. I've got a problem. Yes, you do. Your problem is sin. It's the same as mine. Well, I think it's self-esteem. No, it is sin. The problem, the issue of mankind, the great problem is sin. Listen, the truth is we're dead in our sin. We want to play around and act like it's no big deal. Listen, we're dead in our sin. We are condemned in our sin. We are perishing in our sin. Look at the world. They're suffering. They're decaying. They're, they're perishing in their sin. The Bible says we are enemies of God. We are haters of God in our sin. Do you understand? In your sin, you can have no part of a holy God. He doesn't even hear your prayers. In your sin, you're separated from a holy God. Worse than all of that, we will suffer eternally in the reality of hell in our sin. Our problem, the problem of mankind is sin. And we need a remedy for sin. Today, and it just burns me up, we have all these Mickey Mouse gospels all these phony gospels dealing with these less than needs. And man, you, you, you watch preachers today, you go listen on the internet, go read the books that are coming out today. We have all these puny, phony gospels that are dealing with less than needs. And, I, and I, I'll just tell you here today, listen very carefully. Jesus didn't come for your self-esteem. 
Jesus didn't come and go to the cross of Calvary and die in your place and, and then come and, and be risen from the grave that you could say, I'm enough, I'm good enough, I feel good about myself. The world doesn't like me, but I, I feel good about myself. Jesus didn't come for your self-esteem. Jesus didn't come for your favor. He didn't come that you'd have success in this world and, and all the financial things in this world. He didn't come that you'd have wealth in this world. Jesus didn't come and go to the cross that you'd have favor. Jesus didn't come and go to the cross to give you health. There's people that teach that. You know what? You ought not be sick by his stripes or healed. Listen, he didn't go to the cross for your health. He didn't come and go to the cross to, to usher in social justice, to right the wrongs of this world. That's not why he came. Listen, Jesus came that a sinner condemned unclean, dead in his sin, bound for the depths of hell, will be forgiven in the glory and the power of a risen Savior. That is why Jesus came. You see, we make the gospel very puny when we tune it down to something else. We make the gospel very weak when we change it to, to be a remedy for something else. Listen, the big problem is sin, and sin is conquered in the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Repentance for the forgiveness of sin. We're still in this one verse. It's pretty awesome. Repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now, what's this talking about? Repentance means a turning or a leaving. It literally means this. If you're going south and you turn and go north, that's the idea of repentance, a turning and leaving. Now, it carries with it a heavier context, a, a heavier meaning. It's also the idea of a sorrow for the way you were going, a hatred of the way you were going, a disgust for the way you're going. And so you know what? You're going this way and you're tired of that way and you're disgusted with that way and you're sorrowful that way. And so you turn and you repent and you go a different direction. We repent of our sin. I'll just tell you this while we're at it. There's a, there's a growing movement. It's labeled as Christian. It's promoted as Christian. It's preached as Christian. But you be sure it's not Christian. And, and that is this movement. It's called a hyper-grace movement. Now, what this movement says is that repentance is not for us. We don't have to repent. That's what it says. We don't, we don't have to repent. We don't even have to think about our sin. We don't have to dwell and focus on our sin. Repentance isn't for us. And these folks will say, you know what? Repentance is an is a old-fashioned thing. Repentance was for the Jews. The Jews were supposed to turn. They had left as a nation. They were supposed to return. But it's not for us today. And the movement teaches that we follow Jesus, but not over our guilt for our sin, not over our hatred for our sin, all sin, not over sorrow and regret for our sin. It teaches Jesus is not gonna judge all that. Jesus isn't like that. He's gonna accept all that stuff. In fact, he'll accept that stuff because he loves you so much and he wants to walk with you. That's not the, the, the Christ that we serve. And really the picture is Jesus just comes alongside of us and walks with us in our sin. And they say, no, we don't have to repent. Let me just tell you something. 
That's a lie. And that's a lie from the depths of hell. And that's a lie that's going to lead many people in our day astray. And that's a lie that ends with people that are comfortable in their sin. You know what? I'm not worried about my sin. I'm not upset by my sin. You know what? I pray to Jesus and I walk with Jesus in my sin. And they have no need for a Savior. Look at our world today. They've got all the stuff and all the fun and all the comforts. And they don't need Jesus because they're not aware of their sin. Listen, the gospel that we follow, we repent sorrowful over our sin and we turn from that sin. But I don't want you to miss this piece of it. It's not just repentance. It's repentance in Jesus' name. Now let me explain that. That's that's a heavy concept. In Jesus' name means all that Jesus is. It's really an understanding that he is the Lamb of God. He is the propitiation for sin. He is the risen Savior. It is the fullness of who Jesus is. And so when you say Jesus, of course that's who it is. And so it's the fullness of who it is. And so it's the the truth, the totality, the truth of who Jesus is. And so see this. It's not enough to be sorrowful over your sin. It's not enough to be regretful over your sin. But the gospel is we turn away from sin as we turn to Jesus Christ by faith. Do you see the transaction here? He is the hope for a sinner. He died to pay the penalty for sin. He is risen from the grave, victorious over sin. And we have the forgiveness of sin by turning to Jesus Christ in faith as our Savior. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the gospel told of in Scripture. That's the gospel foretold in the Old Testament. That's always been the gospel. We're saved when we turn, we repent, and we turn, and by faith we trust Jesus Christ and the totality of who he is. That's always been God's plan for a world of lost sinners. Listen, today that is our message to a world also of lost sinners. Turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Listen to verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus says to his followers, you are witnesses of these things. Now, I can't say this loudly enough. I can't say this frequently enough. I can't say this strongly enough. Disciples are to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the progression in this set of verses. A disciple, I want to be a disciple. I'm growing as a disciple. We've got discipleship training. Well, how are you doing as a disciple? Listen, you want to know how you're doing as a disciple? A disciple is a witness that testifies to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Disciples are to proclaim the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple does. Friends, listen, some of the last words of Jesus or some of these last words are that you are witnesses of these things. You're witnesses of these things. Friends, I think we're losing that. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're losing that. We're overlooking that. We, 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 we find better things. We find more attractive things. I'm pretty sure we're changing that. 
I want you to hear me. Listen very carefully. Our mission as the church, our mission as disciples of Jesus Christ is not to take up good causes. Our mission is not to be good people. Our mission is not to do good things, but our mission is to proclaim the good news that there's forgiveness by faith in Jesus Christ. That is the mission of a disciple of Jesus. There's forgiveness in Jesus. And then that brings us to the fourth thing. The fourth, the last great truth that we see in Jesus' last words, we see the power to spread the gospel. The power to spread the gospel. Verse 49. And behold, take a look. Jesus says, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you're to stay in a city until you are clothed with power from on high. Another tremendous verse. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. In the Gospel of John chapter 14, the Gospel of John chapter 16, Jesus before the cross says that when he leaves, when he ascends, the Father is gonna send the Holy Spirit. That's his promise. When he leaves, when he ascends and go to heaven, he's gonna leave us as orphans, but he's gonna send the Holy Spirit of God. The promise is he's going to indwell us. He's gonna live in us. Ephesians 1.13 says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Jesus actually says in those verses that it'll be better for us that he does. It'll be better for us that the Holy Spirit fills us than Jesus himself physically walk with us. Well, Jesus says to them, you know what? Stay in Jerusalem until this promise of the Father, I'm gonna send to you. He says, until you're clothed with power from on high. Who listen to this. I want you to see this picture. You ever get a new set of clothes and you can't wait to wear them somewhere? You ever get a new set of, 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 of clothes? I don't know what that is, a, a new set of boots or somewhere. And you know, I'm going to go somewhere and man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off my new clothes. I want you to see this picture here. In Jesus Christ, I want you to see this picture here. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Now, see the picture. We put on the righteousness of Jesus, the Bible says, like a robe. We, we have stained ourselves in sin. We've ruined ourselves in sin. We've brought shame to him and to ourselves in sin. But in Jesus Christ, like a robe, we put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We drape on ourselves. He does it, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Well, in the coming of the Holy Spirit, we put on the power of God. We are weak, we are frail, we are dumb, and we put on the, the robe of the power of God. We're clothed in the power of God. 
Man, I want you to see what a set of clothes we have. Listen, as a saved person, we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. As a saved serving purpose, we're clothed, we're robed in the power of God. And listen, robed in Christ's righteousness, not any of our own, robed in God's power, not any of our own. It is then in our new set of clothes, it's now in our robes that we step out into a lost world, a hurting world, a world that is broken and dying in their sin and dressed in our new robe, the righteousness of Jesus, the power of the living God, we march into a lost world to proclaim there is forgiveness alone in Jesus Christ. What an awesome picture. Ooh, I put on the righteousness. You don't know my past. You don't have to know it. I got a robe of righteousness. You don't know where I fell short, what I did wrong. You don't have to know it. I put on a robe of righteousness. You know what? I can't speak like that. You know what? I'm not bold like that. You know what? I can't do those things. You know what? I don't have to. I have a robe of the power of God. And it's in our clothes that we march out into a lost world and proclaim forgiveness in Jesus Christ. What great truths we have. What profound truths we have in these last words of Jesus before his ascension. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm so thankful. First off, for the word of God. I'm thankful for the word of God. We're tempted to, to overlook it. We're tempted to neglect it. The world tries to discredit it, but I'm thankful that we have the Word of God so perfect that Jesus Himself, God Himself, used it to reveal Himself. Lord, I'm thankful for the Word of God. I pray that we'd be shaped by it. I pray as a church we would uphold it. I pray as dads and moms our homes would be led by it. And I pray the fruit of it is that we would know our God, we would know our salvation, our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I tell you right now, I'm also thankful for the, for the power of the Holy Spirit of God. As we live in a world that's opposed to us, we live with a, a message that's hated, that you give us the Spirit of the living God inside of us to seal us, to carry us all the way to the day of our final redemption with you. Perfection. Lord, I pray we would submit to the Holy Spirit of God. We would be led by the Holy Spirit of God. We would be empowered as we witness in, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And then, Lord, I'm thankful that you give us the parameter of the gospel. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to get mixed up and, and, and have a weak gospel. We have the gospel of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus as the payment, the propitiation, the Savior and the victor for sin. Lord, I pray that we would grab that gospel. I pray that we would teach that gospel. I pray that we'd be committed above all things to the sharing of that gospel, that we'd be witnesses as such. And Lord, I come in right now, and I pray for somebody in this room, in this room, that doesn't know you. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. That today they would trust you as their Lord and their Savior for the forgiveness of their problem, their sins, moving their hearts. Lord, I pray for the things that went on this week. I pray for our camp. Pray for the seeds that were planted in our kids and our youth and some of the adults that were there. Pray that they continue to grow and to sprout. 
Lord, I pray that the result of all of the efforts of this church be the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of the prince of that gospel, Jesus. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.